Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by FIVO. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I'm going to tell you guys originally, I wasn't going to do a podcast for this Friday. That was going to be my one rebellious thing I get off during this this holiday season. But the NFL was so kind to give you guys a Christmas night matchup between the AFC's top team and the NFC's top team and the Ravens and the 49ers. So I felt it was important to talk about it. And lovely, the lovely, beautiful, amazing, talented, exceptional Jory Epstein of Yahoo Sports agreed to join me. So Jory, welcome to the show. Tracy's so excited to be here. I know we have wanted to do this together for a while, and I'm so glad that you followed up because you do great work, and you're doing great work on a team that's doing great work on the field, so there's a lot to talk about here. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, and they are doing great work on the field. This is this is a fun matchup. We have a potential Super Bowl preview. I know Lamar Jackson said that's in February, and to be fair, players are not going to this game being like, this might be a Super Bowl preview. But we in the media are thinking about that. Fans are talking about it. And it's it seems kind of unusual that this late in the season, we have the AFC's number one team against the NFC's number one team on Monday Night Football, on Christmas, no less. It's going to be quite a game. And I actually don't even care that I'm working on Christmas. It just feels cool. It just feels kind of cool. No, no, no. I'm so glad you used that word unusual because it is. I actually found the stat yesterday that for the third, this is only the third time since the 1970 NFL merger that the top team in the NFC and the top team in the AFC have matched off in December or later. So for this late in the season to have the NFC and AFC top teams go against each other, it's only happened three times ever. This will be the third. And San Francisco 49ers fans will be happy to hear that the last two times it happened, um, the NFC team did go to the Super Bowl, one of which they won. So the Seahawks and Colts played in 2005. The Seahawks lost the Super Bowl. And the Cowboys and Broncos in 1977, the Cowboys won. So um, if history repeats itself, this should be the start of something very good for the 49ers. Well, you guys, there you go. You have nothing to worry about. All of you guys, you're all stressed out on Twitter. Before <laughs> I just told you. Nothing to worry about. Turn off the TV. We'll see you in February in Vegas. Everything's going to be fine. But for those of you that are still going to watch, Jory, this is going to be such a great matchup. And I think I want to start by talking about, I don't even kind of know where to start, but I'm going to start with the Ravens pass rush that is excellent, absolutely excellent, against Brock Purdy and the 49ers. And Brock Purdy, you have a quarterback who is really excellent at reading a defense and making adjustments on the fly, which will be really important against this Ravens defense and the way that they play. What do you think we're going to see on Monday night? How do you see this playing out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a Ravens team that, like you said, number two in defensive DVOA. They're ninth in pass rush run. I'm going to say it again. They're ninth in pass rush win rate, which is very hard to say once, much less five times. (laughs) Um, Seventh in run stuff win rate, which are ESPN stats for essentially not just like, okay, how do we factor out like the result of the play? It's more like what's happening in the start, which is like when they are pass rushing, when they are trying to stop the run, um, how are they doing? And so on one hand, I'm like, this is a really, really solid ball more team that might be able to slow down the 49ers, but I mean, I was in Philly with you. We watched that 49ers <laughs> team against an Eagles defensive front that for a long time I thought had a lot of capabilities like that, and I just have a hard time believing that any team will have a lot of success slowing San Francisco, 
And it's not even just because of any one player. Like, yes, Brock Purdy has played great. Yes, the skill players. But what always, like, amazes me when watching the 49ers is just the way every single one of them is walking on every single play. And that sounds so cliche, like, you're doing your job. But, like, the skill players do not block like that on other teams as consistently and as effectively. And so that might be great that they might be able to beat an offensive lineman, but that's not who you have to beat when you're playing the 49ers. You have to beat every single blocker along the way, and all of a sudden, Christian's got another touchdown. The only people that don't get time off this time of year are pro athletes, and us at Bet Online. With NFL, bowl season, and NBA in full swing over the holidays, Bet Online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up to second odds, news, and info. Bet Online has all the sports wagering info available you need with both desktop and mobile access. Head there today to get into the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's the thing. And you, you nailed it. All of a sudden, Christian has another touchdown. All of a sudden, Debo Samuel has another touchdown. We saw it in Arizona. And granted, the Arizona Cardinals are not the Baltimore Ravens, but you have the Debo Samuel on this wide open touchdown. It, it was almost as if they just forgot he was there because there were too many other things to to work on. And it did look like that. Even Debo said after the game, he was like, how am I this open? But I am. So, hey, like, basically, <laughs> it was like, that, that's my reenactment. I'm not going to, Debo didn't do it exactly like that, but that's my reenactment. So that is the thing that I think is incredible. And, and we've talked a lot about run blocking. We've talked a lot about blocking in the last couple of weeks of, with this team, but it's such a huge part of it. And it's something they all take so much pride in. And that's the thing. Like there's so much pride taken in. And there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks, how in the wide receiver coaches, receivers coach, ride receiver coaches office. There we go. These words are, are so hard. Pass, <laughs> rush, win, rate. I'm going to be like dreaming about that tonight. Yeah, words are very difficult. Pinkerson, uh, <laughs> that would have been easier just to say that and let people Google it to figure out who he was. But in his office is a yellow hard hat that when you get like a major block, you get to sign it. And there's a lot of pride taken in that. And you, George Kittle over the years, and a lot of them make this, he loves to block. He talks all the time about how he loves, much he loves to block, but it is a huge part of this offense. And it, I think it kind of speaks to the players they have and speaks to something on this team that they have a goal in mind. There's so many stars. There's not a lot of ego. And that does make them difficult because you're right. If you have to be watching Brandon Ayuk blocking or, or Debo or George Kittle or whatever, it's not just the offensive line. And then, yeah, next thing you know, Christian McCaffrey just run right by you and into the end zone. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see. Um, this, this brings me to something that I was going to get to later, but let's go ahead and talk about it now, the MVP race. And I think we have three pretty strong candidates on the field on Monday night in Brock Purdy, in Christian McCaffrey, in Lamar Jackson. Do you feel like, and I'm going to ask my next guest, guest this as well, but do you feel like this is kind of the audition, the, the final audition? It's like you had the callback and now, now you're going to studio and to the execs and your final audition for who gets to win that award. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you asked. And it's, I'm actually going to be voting for the first time this year. Oh so I've been gosh, thinking. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. So I've been thinking a lot about this. And like, I feel like every time I listen to something, I'm like, wait, but that was a compelling argument. Oh, wait, but that stat is compelling. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so I mean, as 
as of Thursday night, it was like Brock Purdy was minus 225 odds on favorite. Lamar was plus 500 at second place. And then Christian was plus 1600 um, down in, in fifth place. And so I think that you have this interesting situation where it's not that one game determines MVP, although for sure there's a recency bias that goes with that award voting that late. It's that these guys are already the favorites. And so this and what you can do for your team late in the season with playoff stakes on the line, home field advantage, like first round by um, on the biggest stage, which Monday night Christmas, I think that's a pretty big stage. Mm-hmm. That's what can distinguish. And so I would say that Brock and Lamar, like whoever outplays each other on this stage will probably be theirs to lose. That doesn't mean that something won't happen in the last couple of weeks of the season, but I do think that like you can pretty much solidify the lead and then control your own destiny if you win in this game. And I think it'll also be really interesting, like, okay, how much is Lamar a dual threat versus the, the Ravens' defense if they end up winning it? If, okay, well, if... The 49ers win and they go off and are explosive like they were in Philadelphia, for example. Well, you have the situation as we keep seeing, like, well, if Christian is playing really well, but also Brock, do they cancel each other out? So I do think that um, these guys, it's theirs to lose. I definitely think that, like, I know Dak Prescott was the favorite a week ago, but he took a hit in Buffalo and he'd really have to to play pretty crazy well at Miami to be able to to, to front these guys. Um, but that's what makes this game so fun. Absolutely. There's so much kind of on the line, so to speak, and so much to look for. And there's these teams just match up so well against each other. It's not just that they're both 11 and three, but when you look at the actual matchups, they match up really well against each other. So I want to spend a little time talking about Lamar Jackson, because obviously he's such an incredibly dynamic player. Uh, He's we always have known what he's been able to do with his legs. He's been good in the passing game, but I think this year has taken a step forward in that. I still think the 49ers best bet is to try to keep him in the pocket and passing because if he gets by one of you, it's just like we said about Christian, but like, you know, he gets by one missed tackle and the next thing you know, there's Lamar on his way into the end zone, but he's just such a special player. And another one that's really tough to defend against uh, the 49ers have one of the best, one of the two best linebacker duos in football. The other one is on, is on the Raven side of the ball, but what does this 49ers defense have to do to try to contain him and keep him in the pocket? Yeah, no, I definitely think that the more you can make the Ravens one-dimensional, the better. I mean, they definitely have had success with, like, rookies, A-Flowers, and they've got guys who can do it. But the more you can take out away the run game, like, that is going to be your calling card. Make them pass. Make Lamar, like you said, stay in the pocket and, and really have to go for those. Because, I mean, a week ago, they, they beat the Jaguars 23-7, to and Lamar played a great game. But 97 rushing yards to 171 passing yards. So if you take out his 97 rushing yards, well, that's not the most productive day on offense that he needed to win. And so I think that you really have something where the Ravens offense, even in its new, like you could say, more pass-friendly system under Todd Munkin, it's still very dependent on Lamar using his legs, using his legs to set up the run, using his legs to set up the pass. And if he can't do that, they're going to be very trouble to keep up with the 49ers explosive offense and he's going to have to do it even more this week if he wants to because they're without Keaton Mitchell so they lose their their number one back and so that will create some issues for them of course they have Gus Edwards and Justice Hill but still like you, you lose your number one guy yes they're the number one rushing attack but that will make a difference and it's something the 49ers have to keep an eye on it last week the 49ers gave up well over 200 rushing yards to the Cardinals it's a, it's a stat that's like a little tiny bit skewed, 
because there was a big run and some of them, some of those yards came a lot later in the game. But it's it's at least something worth looking at, I think, for two reasons. One, they had no Javon Hargrave and no Eric Armstead. And we're recording this on Thursday and neither of those guys practiced on Thursday. So, and they put Clea Davis on IR on Wednesday. So they're a little thin at defensive line and they're going to, I think, really hope that they get at least one of those guys back. So that's issue number one. The other thing, and this is a, course, what leads this is, is missed tackles have been a bit of an issue for this team. As strong, as incredible as they've been, missed tackles have been an issue for them, not just on Sunday, but the last couple weeks. And it's something they're going to need to clean up. And it, it kind of goes to what I said before. If one guy misses him, Lamar's gone. So these are the areas they really need to clean up against this number one rushing attack with or without Mitchell they're going to need to be able to stop this run. And that's not, and isn't easy, very easy for me to say to you, like, well, they just got to stop the run. So there you go. There you have it. But it's a lot more difficult to do. And the missed tackles thing, it's just something to keep an eye on because it's been a problem all season long. It was even a problem in those first five games, but the offense was so explosive. It really masked it. It was a problem. And of course the three losses. So your Steve Welch story, what do you say to this defense about that? I say, hey, Charverius Ward, I'm going to put you on Zay Flowers, and I want you to get an interception. Feel free to go for two like you did last week, pick six. But I do think if you can have someone like him walking down their number one receiving threat when you have Mark Andrews out, you're missing running backs, um, and really just don't allow Lamar to have anyone to throw to, and then you can have your front seven really try and contain him when he runs. Like I think that combination is really powerful. And I'm glad you brought up Traverius Ward because he's having an incredible season, which even more solidified on Sunday. And on the other side, Diamador Lenore is also having an incredible season, Some, somewhat maybe more quietly. But when you look at him in a game, there's not a, pass, a lot of passes thrown his way. The ones that are thrown his way are not super successful. And so it's that, that back end of the 49ers, which going into the season, people thought was maybe if you had to pick a weakness on defense, that was the weakness certainly is not one and will be crucial on Monday night because you're right. If you take out Zay Flowers, you take out some of those skill position players, becomes a much more difficult team or game for the Ravens, especially with how the 49ers offense is going. And I want to go a little bit more into that. Um, they've been pretty incredible. I don't know. I, I started to say that like in the most ominous way, like, um, you guys, <laughs> It was so dramatic. Yeah, don't look now, but we so keep scoring. It was so dramatic the way that I <laughs> went into that. But they have, they do keep scoring. There's been so much talk about like the close games. It doesn't matter. The games are not close. They keep, they keep really blowing opponents out. They have yet to win a close game. But I, when you look at this offense and you know, see how explosive they are, it may not matter. I mean, you look at like the top teams in the NFC. I've now totally kind of gone on a tangent, but I'm, I'm going to come back to it. But they played the Cowboys and, you know, beat them handily. They played the Eagles in Philadelphia. They beat them handily. The only other top NFC team they haven't played are the Detroit Lions. So I do think are a scary football team, but I don't know that they're quite there yet. And I think they're, they don't have the 49ers offense. Their defense is extremely inconsistent. So I have no doubt they would beat them. You look around the league there just doesn't seem to be a team that this offense is going to struggle against. However, if there is one, it's a team they're playing on Monday night. This is a team that gave up five and a half yards per play against the Jaguars, which is not a lot of yardage. So this for them, 
I thought the Eagles were the biggest test. So maybe this is the next biggest test and it's an AFC team and it's just kind of a different, a different feel. But when you kind of look at what Brock Purdy is able to do and the way he can read a defense and his level of accuracy and just kind of those intangibles, do you think that they are stoppable? I don't know. I ha- I'm still going to run with the theory that with a healthy Debo, this team is not stoppable because that's what we've seen all season. Other than the games he was out, like they can go. And I just loved how he really set the tone with that statement in Philadelphia. But yeah, I think you make a good point. I, I think it will be a closer game than they had against the Cowboys and they had against the Eagles. And I also think there's a psychological element there that I actually really value your opinion on because okay. we'll probably see one, if not both of those matchups next month in the playoffs. And I think that like I just have trouble seeing how either team could beat the Niners. And I, I there's got to be a way, and I think it's unlikely, but I'm curious what you think it is. But I think when you when you say, hey, not I, I think you take out the psychological element and thus it's going to be a closer game. But at the end of the day, the 49ers just have so much more talent. And look, you mentioned these guys who aren't practicing on the interior defensive line. That's going to be important. You ideally want to get at least one of them back. And again, not practicing and not playing, or as we both know, like don't always correlate, but I I still think it's just the way that they're scheming and the way that Kyle's setting these guys up to do it. And oh, by the way, then you have a pass rush who's getting the right, if they can get the Ravens off the field quickly, and then you just keep running the the clock out. I mean, I just have a hard time seeing how this 49ers team loses other than some like uncharacteristic just off day, because I think in terms of like raw talent, raw ability, scheme and coaching, no one is at their level in the NFL. I totally totally agree with that. I actually feel as I have a little bit of a hot take. I think I'm Vince Niners by 10. I think it'll be close, mm-hmm. but then I think like... But still, that is, that's, that's still a close. lot closer than the Eagles and Cowboys games against them were. Yes. I just know people who are like, oh my God, I'm... I mean, I, they're like fans on Twitter and stuff. Like, oh my God, I'm so yeah. nervous. I'm like, I, I don't... And it's funny, with the Cowboys game, even throughout the week, I, you know, did podcasts, talked to people on the radio, just talked to people. They were like, it's going to be so close. And I said... It's not. I'm telling you right now, it is not going to be a close game. I could just tell, and I have a similar, I would be closer, but I have, I have a similar feeling, but I want to go back to what you said about, you wanted my opinion on, is it, you want to opinion on whether or not they could lose to the Cowboys or the Eagles in the playoffs? Yes. No, I don't think they can. And here's, (laughs) and here's, Here's one of the reasons. This is like, what would they have to do? Because they really have the Cowboys card. And I know I think more about that because I was in Dallas for seven years until April. But to have those back-to-back playoff losses, and again, the first they were like kind of close, but you also kind of never felt like the Cowboys were going to win. And then to have them come out this year, and I mean, I've got a story coming on that next week of basically how the Cowboys like totally changed their philosophy on offense and what matters based off that 49ers game. It's not that they changed the scheme, but they just changed how they were implementing it. And I don't know. It's just they really can't do anything against San Francisco. And I do believe, and I'll get to the Eagles after this. Here's the thing with the Cowboys, too. And I don't mean this in an obnoxious way, but they're really bad at losing. And and what I mean by that is you have Micah Parsons coming out this week and saying, everybody's rooting for us to fail. And you have these sick people who just want us to fail and talk about it. And when they lost, when they lost to San Francisco, that was so humbling and laugh now, cry later and all of that. And I just, I do think that speaks to something. And maybe that's me being like too psychological on it, but I think it speaks to something on the field too. Like at the end of the day, you play a sport and you play a sport in front of fans and media and people. And I'm not downplaying talent. I'm not downplaying how hard this sport is. I'm not downplaying the fact that 
These guys work so, so hard in one play and it could be all over, which is really different than any other sport. So I'm not downplaying any of that. But when they lose, that team complains the most from what I've seen about how people talk about them after they lose. And I just feel like there is something to that. And I think it translates on the field and Mm. not in a positive way. And so maybe that is me psychoanalyzing. But I do think there's something to that. And I, I don't I don't like the word people use where like, well, it's like they're soft, but it's just they can't. I feel like you can't get over the hump. If it's one thing to have bulletin more material and be motivated, but you can't get over the hump if you're spending so much time worried about how everybody's talking about you after you've lost. Also, they <laughs> lost. It's not even like, yeah, like, like maybe you should focus on what it'll take to win the next <laughs> yeah, one. Exactly. That's the other thing. Like they did lose and teams lose and that's how it goes and that's fine. But they did lose. It wasn't yeah. like they won and then everyone's like, and, and you know, I could call it like, they're winning big games, or whatever, or they beat the pretend they beat the Bills the other day and beat them handily. And people are always are all going, well, I mean, the Bills haven't really been themselves. They've been playing well and it doesn't really mean anything. OK, fine. But like you did lose. So how right. about figure that out? And <laughs> kind of lost in spectacular fashion. So figure that right. and be less concerned. So that to me is my thing with the Cowboys, which is why. Going back to the playoffs. Right. If you don't want to get get much, don't allow 266 rushing yards to James Cook and Co. A hundred percent. And a couple years ago, when they went to that playoffs game, playoff game, it was a very close game. But even with that, I was like, I always thought they were going to lose that game because they just there's there's like a mental aspect. Right. I think there's such a psychological. I do think the Niners are a more talented team and better coach Absolutely. team. But I think that like they're probably like. The type of I, I feel like the relative talent in coaching of the Niners should beat the Cowboys like seven times out of ten, and the psychological element makes it that I think they're going to beat them nine times out of ten. I completely agree with that. And then there is the coaching thing, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think the thing that we don't talk about enough, and by we I mean the collective, we as the media, is the Kyle Shanahan X factor, and very few, if any, other teams have it. And with this week's matchup, John Harbaugh is an incredible football coach. He's been very successful over the years. His brother is like my favorite person in the world because I'm such a diehard Michigan fan. So so there's that, but he's not Kyle Shanahan. And offensively, really very few other coaches can compete. So in a Dallas Cowboys 49ers matchup, no disrespect to Mike McCarthy, but he's not Kyle Shanahan. I guess maybe that is disrespectful, but he's not. And any day of the week, if you had me pick between these two coaches, I'm not picking Mike McCarthy ever. And I think that also, of course, becomes a really big difference. But that's so that's kind of my Cowboys feeling. Right. On the Eagle side, um, I think when you talk about how the Cowboys kind of changed the way they implemented their offense after that 49ers game, the Eagles here in week 15 make a defensive coordinator change and they make it kind of quietly. It also doesn't work because they completely lost on that last drive. Do I mean, obviously the Seahawks played an amazing game and that was an incredible drive, but that you could say that the Eagles defense failed on that drive, I think would be a, a fair thing to say. And it feels like a little bit in a way, like the 49ers broke the Eagles. You know, they lost the week after, they lost Monday night to the Seahawks. Yeah. They make this, it feels like a panic move. Like you're still 10. Yeah. Why are you changing your defensive coordinator in week 15? So it feels like a panic move. So sure. now it feels like 
They're not where they were. They don't have the confidence. I, I think last year's Eagles team, to me, also was a better team. And I never, with everything that happened that game, obviously, once Brock went out, it was over, in my opinion. And it and it was over at that point. But I never thought the 49ers were going to win that game. I just thought mm. it hit that point in the season. They've been fighting and fighting and fighting. They've been through all these quarterback changes. It's not that I thought they were going to get blown out. I just felt they were, they were going into Philly, traveling, the whole thing. I just felt like they weren't going to win that game. It felt like it was the Eagles' year during the Super Bowl and that they were just playing too well and at such a high level. And it just wasn't a game that San Francisco was going to win. But this year, I felt very differently. I don't think that the Eagles team, they're extremely talented. I don't think they're as talented. The 49ers did figure out a way to stop Jalen Hurts. And so I don't know if now it's a psychological thing with them also, but I just think the 49ers showed in that game we're better. And it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't an anomaly. They just, they played so much better. And at the end of the first quarter, it was 6 nothing Philadelphia. It should have been at least 14 nothing Philadelphia. Right. That's how I knew. The Brand Niners defense better. stopped them both times in the red zone. Yep. And, that's and they had, what, three and outs to start yeah. the game? When you have the three and outs versus what Philly was able to do driving down that field, it should not have been as close as it was. And that showed, that to me, said the 49ers are a much, much better team. And so, that, and then the 49ers went on to score six straight touchdowns. And that's the problem. So if you're an offense and you have those opportunities, you have to capitalize. If you can't capitalize on those opportunities, you're not going to beat them. So that's why I feel like, I do think of an Eagles playoff game would be closer I don't think it'd be quite the blowout that we saw, but I still don't think that they can beat them. And I think this offense is just too good. And in years past in San Francisco, we've seen a really, really strong defense with a good offense. And now we're seeing a really strong defense with a really strong offense. And in recent weeks, it's the offense kind of making up for defensive deficiencies. Right. Vice versa. And I think once that happens, they're unstoppable. Yeah, and I also think that, again, you've now seen this, like, 49ers psychological hold on the Cowboys extend to a third season. And I think if they play the Eagles in the playoffs and they pull them out again or even win by, like, I mean, it doesn't have to be 20 points. It can be 10. Mm -hmm. I think that they'll start to get that same psychological hold over Philadelphia, too. And that's when I think this conference could get really, really interesting if the Niners just continue to have everybody's number. I think that absolutely be the case. Now, the Niners are going to have some decisions to make in the next couple of years, and that's that's looking ahead. But even with those decisions, a lot of the team will, you know, stay together. But yeah, I just think at this point, they're just that much better than everybody else. And I, I would imagine for teams around the league, when you look at how they built the team, and you know, sometimes I wonder... Because obviously I'm with the team every day, so you're like so ingrained in the team. Then I'm like, am I just missing... You know, I'm keep, obviously I know what else is going on in the NFL, but not like I know this team. But I don't, I don't think I am. And when you look at how they built it, starting from when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch came here, they they built a team, and there was patience, there was patience with them. There was patience with ownership. There was a plan in place. You could see it. They went zero and nine to start that season, and that never felt like an zero and nine locker room because everyone had bought in. They knew there was a plan, and the way they built it over the years. It's been incredible. And people talk a lot about the draft and they've missed on those early picks and all that other than Bosa. But in my opinion, like 
well, your quarterback you took in the seventh round, and that's going pretty well. Your tight end is probably going to be a Hall of Famer you took in the fifth round. Diamondor Lenore was a fifth round pick. Elijah Mitchell's a sixth round pick. I actually might have that flipped, but you see where I'm you see where I'm going with this. Yeah. They've made incredible trades. Like this is they, Fred Warner was was a later round pick. I mean, it, Ambry Thomas, who's really come on as of late, was a third round pick. So if they're hitting on all those later picks fine and they've made incredible trades obviously this christian mccaffrey mccaffrey trade could go down as one of like the great nfl trades in history certainly the best for an Niners trade in history but i think honestly that what i don't know that you're going to find a trade that's gone better than this one and so the way they've built the team the patience in building the team yes they have a window but i think if i'm an nfl executive looking at this team this is how i would want to build my team even if it took a little patience you know unlike other teams that are like you're fired you're fired you're fired you're fired this one took some patience, and the Fourers did that before. They learned, uh, but you just look around the league; they just seem so much better than everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think there's so many like big picture lessons you can take. Whether it's as you mentioned that the advantage that Kyle Shanahan has, that is going to be a big factor when we see this coaching cycle come up because there are some fantastic defensive coaches in the league and I'm not saying they shouldn't get head coaching jobs. I think some of them should, but the problem you have when you have a defensive head coach in today's NFL is you risk losing your play caller from year to year. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we're seeing in Philly, even when Nick Sirianni is an offensive guy, but not the play caller, Jalen Hurts had seven straight years with different play callers, finally got continuity last year, but because it goes well, Shane Steichen goes to Indianapolis and now he's crushing it there. They lose their defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, which I guess you could lose that on either side, but you're more likely to lose your offensive coordinator. And so for Shanahan to be there every year and to not have to worry about that cycle, that's a big deal. And, and another story I always think about, and I first heard John Lynch tell it um, when the Eagles were playing, sorry, when the 49ers were playing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl is um, there's a story that he and Kyle were both interviewing around the same timeline. And they, they played this game where they essentially had X number of, of chips. And it was, how do you want to allocate it for roster building? And they gave the same number of chips, which is a very high number to the defensive line in ways that they think a lot of people around the league would not have given it. And mm-hmm. this is like how aligned Kyle and John were on investing in that defensive line, especially Kyle's an offensive guy to be like, no, this is not just about like going all out for a quarterback. And again, obviously Brock Purdy covers up the Trey Lance move and that's a whole other story. But mm-hmm. I do think just the way that he was like, what bothers me most as an offensive coordinator is when a Nick Bosa and a Javon Hargrave and an Eric Armstead, Eric or Eric, Eric. and Eric Armstead are coming after my quarterback. And I want to make sure I always have that. And that when a Lamar Jackson is coming this week, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I have guys who are going to be able to chase him down. And I think that that alignment that they have and the way they really committed to that in the first round for so many years and now in free agency this year, which isn't necessarily something you see people do is go after that free agent when you already have a stacked defensive line, but that's how committed they were. Um, I think that that is always going to keep their defense just really, really strong. And I think they saw in that NFC Championship game, Brock Purdy's injury aside, they saw that they were still missing a piece along that defensive line. And then at the trade deadline, they still felt like they were missing a piece along that defensive line. So they went out and got Chase Young. They know how important it is. And Chase Young has been tremendous for this team. His presence, just having having him there, he's been tremendous every time he's on the field. It's, it's changed things. So they have been so very committed to it. And I agree with you that Kyle Shannon is an offensive guy knowing that. And he got a lot of criticism for passing on X quarterback and Y quarterback. And of course, the Trey Lance thing did not work out. But I always say if they didn't draft Trey Lance, they also weren't drafting Brock Purdy and that he ends up 
being who they think he is and who I think we're all seeing who he is on a weekly basis. I'm not even say if he ends up like he's he's that. But he, yeah. he, does, he continues, continues and continues and really is their franchise quarterback, then, well, doesn't really matter. Absolutely. So what do you think is going to happen? I'm going to do you want to do a prediction? I'm terrible at them in terms of points, but um, so I don't I'm not going to pick the score. Actually, I'm going to pick the score. You know what? Why not? It's Christmas. <laughs> I'm going to um, go first. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right, I'm going to go. The, the 49ers, as of Thursday night, were favored by five and a half points, which is basically home plus another field goal, give or take. I will say 49ers, 33, mm-hmm. uh, Ravens, 27. Okay, and I am saying 49ers, 31, Ravens, 24. So we're relative, even though I think they will win by 10 if I'm going to do a score prediction because <laughs> uh, originally I was actually going to say 31 to 21 but I, I no I actually I'm going to do 31-21 I'm sticking by my 10 points I think they're I think they're going to win by 10 I see it especially again they just once they start rolling they they really roll it's hard to stop and if there's they're rolling and the Ravens now feel like they have to push um that's where mistakes happen turnovers happen and that kind of thing so sure various we're counting on you sure various no pressure but I'm a big fan of him as a human. So when yeah. I become big fans of people as humans, um, I root for them to succeed on the field. I'm a big fan of him as a human as well. So I totally, <laughs> totally get that. So Travarius, you're welcome. I hope you're, he's actually been <laughs> on this podcast. So he, love it. So maybe he is listening and I will make sure to tell him that we gave him quite the shout out. <laughs> 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 but yeah, he's been on this podcast and he was great. It was, it was be worse. I'm going to go ahead and plug it, guys. It was right before the season started and it was really fun. And actually, we didn't even talk that much football. It was a lot more about him and his life and things he does now. And it was really interesting. I think people really enjoyed it. He was great. So there you go. The Charvarius Ward Hour is coming to a close, but you guys should go <laughs> go and listen to that episode of the Tracy Sandler Show. It was a lot of fun. Jory, thank you so much. This was awesome. Please let everybody know where they can find you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm on Twitter at Jory Epstein, spelled probably how you think it is, Tori, but with a J. And my work is on yahoo.com. So follow us. I'll be writing off the game, although not from Santa Clara, Monday night going into Tuesday. So it'll be a fun one. And one thing I actually appreciate about the 49ers is that they air, they live stream like all of the press conferences post game. So while nothing compares to locker room, and it's such a good locker room when they went, I mean, you and I were both there in Philadelphia. And I was like, wow, I love when people are actually willing to talk and give interviews um we'll be looking into that so it'll be great but i'm, I'm sure you, i look forward to reading what you are writing also because always great stuff thank you thank you so much and next up guys we have matt sims to talk a little bit more brock purdy versus this ravens defense so stay tuned all right guys we just heard from yahoo's jory epstein to preview the christmas night matchup and now i have my favorite quarterback expert in the world, in the world, I just said, see, I must be being very generous this holiday season. But well, I, we only play in America, so I get that pass, yeah. <laughs> but also, yeah, I don't I don't know who else I would have as my favorite quarterback expert. So you win as my favorite yes. quarterback. Well, maybe Jim Harbaugh, but you know when no one can get... Dang <laughs> it, yeah. Harbaugh, so that's fair. But Matt Sims, I should tell everybody your name, even though I think they know. Co-host of the Sims Complete podcast. You've been such an awesome guest on this show. Love your perspective. Welcome, uh, Merry Almost Christmas. Merry Almost Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays to everyone. 
And uh, it's a great time of the year. And the gift of football just keeps on giving. So I'm really excited to uh, talk about this one here this weekend. Absolutely. And we have a lot of football pretty much every single day this weekend, culminating in, of course, Monday night's matchup against the Ravens. Jory and I just dove into it. But I want to talk to you as my almost favorite quarterback expert next to Jim Harbaugh <laughs> about Brock Purdy against this Ravens defense. The Ravens, they bring a lot of guys up front you know, at the start, but they're not going to rush all six or seven of those guys. And in Brock Purdy, you have a quarterback. And this was something that I got from Greg Cassell on KMBR when I was I'm just shameless plug was hosting KMBR this week on the morning show. Uh, doing some fill-in work, but he talked about how Brock Purdy is one of the best in the league at reading defenses and adjusting on the fly. So, would love to know from your perspective when you see Brock against this Ra- Raven, I almost said the Raiders, Ravens defense, which <laughs> would be a very different experience. What, what do you see and how do you think he'll be able to attack it? Well, let's keep in mind, right, for everyone at home, when you're watching this football game, typically, or let's just kind of go back the past few weeks, when Mm -hmm. you've seen the Ravens defense against some of the offenses that they played more recently, you see more stagnant formations. You see more like, we line up, this is the formation we're in, and this is the formation that you're going to get at the snap, right? As soon as the quarterback says, nothing changes, right, post-snap. So the thing that'll be exciting, I think, for, for the 49ers to pay attention to is... Yes, the Ravens try to be multiple. They try to disguise. This is why they lead the the NFL in sacks. This is why they lead the NFL in sacks without having the quote-unquote premier pass rusher either is by being multiple, by trying to trick you know, offenses and then just win with pure physicality. But Kyle's ability as a play caller to force defensive coaches, defensive alignments to really kind of give or tell their hand a little bit more quickly or make that adjustment more aggressively than they do against maybe other teams that they face. So be very cognizant of, you know, where is Christian McCaffrey pre and post snap? Is he lined up at receiver? They bring him back in the backfield to do that little short motion where all of a sudden he's kind of drifting out into outer space by himself for no reason. Uh-huh. You know, so all these little things are going to be these small tells that really help Brock uh, identify what they're doing, avoid the confusion, and really make it as simple and streamlined as possible for him to make quick decisions. And also, let's also remember this too, just in big picture wise. The Ravens know that ultimately it's impossible to stop the San Francisco 49er offense every single play of this game. Right. So if I was the defensive coordinator, if I was Mike McDonald and I was going to this football game, I'd say, yeah, listen, they're going to get theirs. But if we can get one or two or three plays where we're affecting the quarterback, tipping the football at the line of scrimmage because we know Brock likes to get the football out of his hand quickly and in rhythm. If we can somehow, you know, get some exotic pressures where we're just hitting him occasionally, not necessarily getting sacks. Mm-hmm. Those are successful, I think, trips for the defense. So those are the things that the things that, you know, Kyle has to manage early in this football game and maybe being a little bit more patient running the football or multiple formations where you're spreading out the Ravens defense, forcing them to make their identification quicker. One place where the Ravens defense has a little bit of a weakness and it's an incredible defense. So I'm going to use that term loosely, but is they give up plays over the middle and it's so it's a place that there's a reason they say Kittle over the middle. It is the some place where the 49ers excel, but the Ravens are aware of that. And they're probably also aware it's a little bit of a weakness of theirs, but do you expect the 49ers to be able to exploit that on Monday? 
The 49ers, to me, like that is the main part of the field that they always exploit. They, it's, they're always taking advantage of the middle of the field, especially early on in the season. I think what we have to be excited for, and especially for 49ers fans out there, is the fact that it seems like this offense now has been stretched outside the numbers more often, more consistently. And this is where the Ravens will really say, you know what? They can have the outside throws. We're going to rely on our corners to make great plays on it. But we're going to make sure that the middle of the throw, those backbreaking third down conversions or play actions or George Kittle over the middle, we got to make sure that we have bodies in the throwing lanes and affecting those throws as much as possible. And, and the really the exciting thing is, too, for this one, you know, as far as just the offense versus defense matchup, this will be the best linebacking core that the San Francisco 49ers have seen since Cincinnati, you know, mm -hmm. with Pratt and with Wilson. So Patrick Crean, Rokon Smith, two of the better linebackers in the league, along with San Francisco's own linebackers themselves. And it'll really be up to Kyle to making sure, can he get them off their spot consistently to where they're over-pursuing in the run game and the multiple formations to make sure that those lanes in the passing lane are that much greater as the game continues to go on. So I had not prepped you for this one, but this is just going to be a fun one. Kind of put you on the spot, but I asked Jory to... In your opinion, I've been talking about <laughs> the radio all week, so I'd like to, in your opinion, does this game decide the MVP between Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson? Potentially Christian McCaffrey, but if it's if it's a quarterback award, which I think at least very recently has been, does this game decide which one of them is the MVP? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Lamar's in like a clear, clear third place right now. If I were I going see. MVP, I would say Brock is number one, Christian McCaffrey is number two, and I'd even honestly still question maybe Tyreek Hill at being three. Okay. Um, what Brock has been doing in, in the football, you know, sphere right now is just remarkable. And it's something that I think, you know, for all of us to try to dissect, you know, because he looks like, as I said to my father in our podcast this week, because he looks like a seventh grader, that's oh, yeah. why we're trying to take advantage of it. Right. And it's just like, it's so silly. Kurt Warner was a game manager. Joe Montana was a game manager. Troy Aikman was a game manager. Tom Brady was a tr uh, game manager. He just had a cannon for an arm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, who else? Matt Ryan in the same Kyle Shanahan offense. Well, not the same, but same coach, similar type of philosophy of an offense. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, we didn't bat an eye when, when they won that award. We supported mm -hmm. them. We were excited for them. And rightfully so, because they earned it. They earned it. And it's one thing to draw these X's and O's, you know, on a chalkboard and mm -hmm. say, hey, throw it here when this person's about to hit you and do all this and manage the emotions of the game and all that kind of stuff. Like that part's really easy. But the fact that he is taking advantage of it and he's executing at the highest level, making it look easy, you know, yeah, all the great MVPs, they're surrounded by great teams. And, and that's why it, it shouldn't be a surprise that Brock Purdy is the favorite in the NFL. He is doing his part and taking advantage of all the resources that he has. And he's making it just like this great, uh, symphony uh, as if uh, a great conductor would. Fantastic. Thank you, Matt. See, this is why you're my almost favorite quarterback <laughs> expert. That was an excellent, excellent first. I thought with that answer, I would be, you know, moved up to one, but I guess I got more work ahead of me. But it's, it's very hard to beat Jim Harbaugh in my book. <laughs> so it's not, it's not your fault. It's, it's all right. I'm new to the game and, you know, just say hey, reps and, and we'll see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> and if one day you end up as the head coach at the University of Michigan, <laughs> you just never, you just never know. Let no everyone doubt. know where they can find you this Christmas and beyond. Yeah, Sims Complete. Uh, we're on YouTube, anywhere where your your Apple or, or Spotify, your YouTube. I mean, excuse me, where your 
I'm totally getting so nervous right now. No, I just, uh, you know, anywhere where your podcasts are available, Sims Complete, we're on YouTube as well. Just look at me and Big Phil uh, just teasing each other and uh, having a good time talking about the game of football that we love so much. So Sims Complete, thank you so much, Tracy, as always. Absolutely. You guys, if you like what you heard today, and I know you did, this was a pretty fun show. Make sure to give us a five-star rating and a super positive review. You can find me on Twitter, X, at TracyFGSN. On Instagram at Tracy Sandler. We are brought to you by FIVO. We are brought to you by Bet Online. And with that, happy holidays, everybody, and enjoy all that football. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.